Good afternoon. Welcome to Gambling with an Edge. I'm Bob Dancer. And I'm Richard Munchkin. Our guest today is Anthony Curtis, publisher of Huntington Press and the Las Vegas Advisor and friend of the show. Anthony Curtis, welcome to Gambling with an Edge. Good to be back. All right. We are taping this a few days early, but later this week, Resorts World is going to open up. What have you heard? Um, well, I've heard it's going to be, you know, the biggest, greatest, newest, shiniest, you know, everything. Uh, it remains to be seen, but I mean, the, the buzz on this place is absolutely incredible. Um, they're going to have something like 40 restaurants and bars. Um, they're going to have some of the biggest in entertainment. They're going to have some of the biggest names for residencies. You know, we're talking like Katy Perry, Celine Dion's coming back. Uh, it, it's Carrie just, Underwood. Yes, Carrie Underwood is, and, and others. You know, their their DJ lineup. You know, I don't know all these guys. I don't know Diplo from K-Flow, you know. But, I mean, it's, you know, they've got all these these big names that, that you have heard of when you see them. Um, I don't think it's going to be, there's going to be anything remotely bargain related when it comes to this place um i've already heard that for july 4th there they have the highest room rate in all of las vegas you know higher than win higher than bellagio i'm hearing it's, it starts at something like 460 for that night um which wow. is a lot for you know the middle of summer even though it's a holiday so i think it's going to be amazing i think it's going to be absolutely amazing but it's going to be pricey I, I see a Crockford sign on the top of the place, but w- what do they have to do with it? You know, it's it's I'm not really haven't gotten to the bottom of all of this. What they're doing is they're licensing out the Crockfords is a hotel element, I believe. I don't think it's a casino element. So they've got you'll also see Hilton up there. Uh, they've got right, that gigantic yeah. marquee that promotes all these things. And what they've done is they've made different deals for different parts of the as I understand it for different parts of the hotel areas to be run by different hoteliers. And I think Crockford's is one of those. So there's been very little information gotten out so far about what the casino is going to be like. But it's the middle of the strip. It's a high-end joint. I just can't imagine it's going to be good on any level except high-end play for mistakes found and you know things of that nature. Uh, they're also supposed to have um, an Asian-style food court, which... You know, in America, when we say food court, we think of Sabaro and stuff like that. But right. in Hong Kong or Singapore, a food court is a really excellent. Yeah, you're thinking like a night market. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, here's it does sound fantastic. I mean, this food court sounds like it's it's all that. You know, but but again, we'll see because we've heard these promises before about food but food courts and night markets and all that sort of thing. They were supposed to have one at the link. Um, it, that never materialized. It started it. It just bombed immediately. It wasn't good. I went to it. It was not good. Um, they were going to have something like that, and they did, and it wasn't good at the one that closed, which was the uh, Lucky Dragon. Of course, you know, nothing about that place was done right. So there's been a lot of attempts. You know, the problem is those of you who have been to Asia or you are, have connections with, with Asian ways of doing things, you know what a real night market, market is, or you've been to L.A., or you've done, you know, you've been to these things where they're legit. They always try to Americanize it for Vegas, and it doesn't really work out. So we'll see, hopefully. My guess is because it's in a place that is so kind of sanitized, like like Resort World, I think that it's going to be Americanized. But, you know, we'll wait and see. But it's Genting, right? It's Genting, but it, I don't think it matters. I mean, Genting yeah. is, you know, they've been in New York, and, and, and now they're here, and, and they know what Americans are used to. And the thing is, what you and I might consider a really awesome 
night market or food court with an Asian bent might not appeal to a lot of people who don't want to go eat grasshoppers or whatever the hell they, you know, they're going to put in these places. Gambling-wise, our last two openings here in Vegas were Circa and the Virgin Mohegan Sun, where the Hard Rock used to be. Circa is a video poker wasteland other than a few 8-5 bonus games. And the other one is a total video poker wasteland. I'm predicting the same for Resort World, although I'm definitely going to be there on opening night, hoping to be proven differently. What is your suspicion? Oh, I agree with you 100%. I can't imagine that they're going to have anything good in the way of video poker schedules. Um, I wasn't surprised by Circa because the D and Golden Gate, which are also in the same, you know, family, there is nothing special there except for the the view bar at at, uh, the D is a cool place for quarter play. Really good progressive there. Um, But I didn't expect much. They actually have better than I thought. You know, they they capped their progressives and, and everything at the other places. At least they let these run. I've seen that $2 progressive at the D that you just, I think we're bringing up, get positive on a number of occasions. Oh, excuse me, not the D, um, at Circa. Virgin was a complete shocker to me. I just assumed that Virgin was going to know, or Mohegan Sun. Mohegan Sun runs the, the casino for Virgin. And I assumed that they would know that they have to appeal to the, the local market here. And I was stunned. And I do not believe that they can make it without changing that up. So, you know, yeah, you're right. The last couple times we've seen and coming out of the pandemic, you know, I've made this point over and over. We'll probably talk about it again on this on this discussion. But the casinos are just tightening up like crazy. It's, it's literally it's actually gross how tight they are getting. So I, I can't believe that Resorts World is going to open with anything that's, you know, exciting. Who's running Resorts World? Where did they get the casino management people? Um. I think they, you know, brain drained from all the, the other places. I mean, the guy in charge there is Scott Sabella. He comes from um, from the MGM group. He's been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, I mean, from everything I've heard, he's reached out and taken people from all over the place. This guy has a whole lot of connections. And I know people who have been hired away and who have had friends who are hired away. So I think it's just a, you know, a steel mode brain drain from, from all the other places, hopefully the best of the best. But they didn't bring in, to my knowledge, they didn't bring in anybody special to manage it, you know, like a Mohegan Sun or anything like that. Now, you mentioned, let's move on. You mentioned the pandemic. So Vegas is now open. How close is it to what it was two years ago? In terms of what? In terms of uh, the crowds? Or yeah. in terms of, of just normal Vegas? Or, or how do in you In terms mean? of the Vegas experience compared to summer two years ago, how is it today? Um, the Vegas experience isn't quite there yet. Um, there's still a lot of things that haven't opened all the way. There are even some casinos that haven't opened all the way. Um, Eastside Cannery, Main Street Station, a couple of the the uh, station casino places, uh, the, the Fiestas, uh, the Palms. Of course, the Palms is pending a reopening after a sale to Morongo, which I think is a good thing. Get it out of station hands into the Morongo Indians who are... are, are relatively loose in in the way they do things with their customer base. Um, A lot of the restaurants are still just opening. I mean, there was just an announcement this week that Joel Rubichon restaurants were both opening. So they weren't even open yet. They're just about to open. And there are a lot of high-end places and good places and middle places that haven't opened yet. So 
that isn't quite exactly back to where it was. Now, the crowds are fierce. I mean, the crowds have been amazing. And that's why the casinos are they're so smug right now, because people are coming back in droves. And when you go out on a weekend, especially, it's, it's aggravating. It's, it's hard to do things. It's hard to get reservations. It's hard to really move around. I mean, um, so in terms of uh, visitation, it's coming back extremely strong and it's very close. In terms of the in- entire feel of it, I think, you know, we're still a, a month or two away from that, I think. But masks are virtually non-existent. Most of the plexiglass is gone. Yeah. That stuff, yeah. If you're talking about things like that, there's no more. There's still a couple of places. Um, at Silver Sevens, they take your temperature. At uh, Tuscany, they take your temperature at the door. So there's still a few places, but nobody from uh, this was a report to me from somebody I trust. And they say nobody seems to care. You know, the temperature flashes up there, but nobody really talks to you about it. I've been to I don't know how many different places and nobody's ever asked me for any proof of vaccination or anything not to wear a mask. And it's just no matter where you go throughout Vegas, there's almost no place you can go where you are required to wear a mask. I carry it around in my pocket in case somebody insists on it. I don't want to cause any trouble, but nobody has ever asked. And fewer and fewer people in the casinos are actually wearing masks. Yeah, the players have been talking a lot about how long can we keep wearing masks because it's good for the players in in a lot of places. Um, You know, and the consensus seems to be, well, we'll keep doing it until it starts to look weird. And in Vegas, it would start to look weird because you'd really stick out if you're wearing a mask now in in a lot of places. You not really stick out. There's probably 10 or 15%. Yeah, and and there are some people that are just so, you know – stuck into the fact that they need to wear these masks. So, and I think that the the uh, uh, management of these places understand that, that there are some people that will, will never go anywhere for the rest of their lives without wearing a mask. They're so afraid of it and they're so bought into that theory, whether it's right or wrong. You know, we're not going to get into that. But they will wear a mask no matter what. And it almost gets into the no smoking thing. Like, can we really eradicate smoking you know, most places know uh, Park MGM is trying to do it, you know, with some success so far from what I can see. But can they eradicate masks? No. And are they ever is there ever going to be a stig- stigmatization for people wearing masks? I don't think so. So I think that well, players there can may get away be a with suspi- it. At some point, there may be a suspicion factor of, oh, the guy's on blackjack betting a lot of money and he's wearing a mask and he's a refusal. No, yeah. no player's card. And he's a, yeah, and he's a young white guy. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. on and on and on. And he, yeah. So he's yes. got a Band-Aid holding his glasses together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, uh, from that point of view, you're going to get to that point at some point. But I think in terms of, like Bob just said, it's not unnatural to wear a mask in a casino or to see people wearing a mask. Nobody looks askance at them, you know, in, in any way. By the way, let me just go back real quickly. We did move okay. on, as you said. But back to Virgin, two interesting things about Virgin. Virgin um, is where the hard rock used to yeah, be. Yeah, the, the old hard rock, you know, the Mohegan Sun Casino there is they have a Spanish 21 table, and they have crapless craps. Wow, I shades mean, of stew pack. <laughs> yes, these are things that we have not seen for a long time. Not that either one of them necessarily is good for you, but, you know, Spanish can be. I didn't really look at their rules, but they have Spanish 21 and crapless craps. I haven't seen a crapless craps table in I don't know how long. Now, it's about, you know, two to three times worse than regular craps, so stay away from it, but it's just interesting that they put it up. Yeah. There's a book that you're publishing called Radical Blackjack. Arnold Snyder, 
lot of buzz about it. When are we going to be able to see it? I think really soon, but it's really, you know, there's still this pandemic effect, and it's really affecting printing. Um, it's affecting mail. It's affecting printing, like almost everything that has to do with my business is affecting tourism. You know, I mean, everything that has to do with me is being affected by the pandemic. But the this pandemic was caused because of you, Anthony. It's all about you. <laughs> yeah, it's about, it, it, it about the forces that conspire to keep their foot on my neck. That's what it is. It's, it's about those forces that conspire to that yep, end. I'm sure. I keep I keep wiggling out of it, hopefully. But um, the the book has been at the printer now for well over a month. Usually we have it back by now. We haven't gotten a ship date yet, which is odd, but we're expecting it any day. We think this book will be back by the the first week of July. We expect we'll have it and we will begin shipping it. Um, we announced this book before Christmas because we wanted it to make our Christmas catalog and we really thought we were going to have it by January. But, but two things happened. One, I just explained the delays. And the other thing, which... Uh, which Richard might be able to speak to, is a few people took umbrage by what was in the book. Is that right? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it took a little while to sort of straighten that out. <laughs> yeah. This this was, there's a lot in this book. This yeah. book, uh, you know, unveils a lot of things. It talks about a lot of techniques. It talks about about a lot of stories. And, of course, those stories and techniques have to do with people that we know who are in the advantage player community. Um, Bob Dancer and Richard Munchkin being among them. You know, both of you guys are name-checked in this book. Uh, one more than other, Richard. <laughs> but uh, I, I would not expect to be in Radical Blackjack. But... You, you are name-checked. But, uh, you know, uh -huh. you'll see Munchkin in there. There's a whole subchapter on Munchkin in there. Um, and many others. With pictures? No pictures. <laughs> no pictures. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's where they put their foot down. <laughs> but, no, we never were to begin with. But because we did, we had these names and we were naming names, we felt obligated, of course, to run it past everybody who was in there and let them comment. And some people, more than others, said, I absolutely do not want that stated in that way or I do not want that in there at all or I do not. Whatever. I would say I have to give them credit that almost nothing was removed from the book. It was just altered in presentation. So whereas there was a complete blueprint to certain things, now there's a Rubik's Cube. you got to figure it out, you know, sort of thing. And it's not that tough. All right. Good enough. Is that a good enough teaser for everybody? Well, that is. We, uh, we know our audience can be assured that when the book is out, Arnold will be on this show and We'll be talking and maybe two shows. It's a, uh, we expect it to be a blockbuster. Yeah. Well, look, you know, you two guys, I'm not just saying this. You two guys are among the best professional level gamblers who can also write. All right. You know, there aren't many gamblers who can also write and explain things. But with all due respect to both of you guys, I would say Snyder's probably maybe the best ever. I think he's a very good writer. Yeah. He's incredible. So this book is not only. Is there, it gets droll in some parts. I mean, there's there's 40 pages on loss rebates. They'll, you know, you want to go to sleep. <laughs> It'll put you to sleep, you know. But but it's it's fascinating and it's it's a good fun read as well. He is a good writer. Stanford Wong's a good writer. Not so much a great player, but he is a good writer. I would say Wong is a, is a great player. I think was a great player. Um, I've seen Wong put his money where his mouth is many many times. When I played with Wong. On his tournament team, he was fearless. I mean, and he he put up a hundred thousand dollars in entry fees with a blink of a you know a blink of an eye. And I know for a fact that he played some real high level 
um, high money blackjack, uh, especially in Asia. So I would put Peter Griffin, you know, no longer alive. But when Griffin played, I would put him more in the category of a guy who didn't play as much as he you would expect that he did based on what he did in theory and so forth. Very good. Always defending, always defending my boy Wong. <laughs> well, good. Uh, and defending the, and it's okay to put the dead guy under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, we just did um, um, Grossjean, James Grossjean, just did a a blog on uh, our book, The Twenty First Century Card Counter Colin by Jones. Colin Jones. Yes, and he makes a reference in there to Peter Griffin having actually seen or heard of Griffin playing big money, you know, in the wild, as he puts it. And um, I know Peter did play some big money, but it usually wasn't his. <laughs> actually, I, I think I've told this story on the on the air before, but I, I actually was responsible for that because I was dealing to Peter, single deck at the Castaways, and there was a high-level sports better who you would know mm-hmm. and uh, who happened to be at the table who was also a bit of a card counter. And I'm talking to Peter. Now, I've known the sports better from backgammon for years i'm talking to peter and he's and they're both counting and he's like are you peter griffin and you know i'm like yeah this is peter and this is so and so and blah 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 and then he's the one who ended up bankrolling peter to go play for higher stakes a number a number of people did um they did bankroll him and uh he was cool playing with other people's money. I yeah. mean, you know, he <laughs> yeah. was he was uh, he was right on. He'd make the moves. I mean, he'd hit the the hard seventeens, you know, uh, against against the eight. You know, I mean, yeah. he, he'd do these things, and um, he did very well for people. But he didn't like wagering his own money so much. He he did for low stakes. He and I played countless hours at the two to one blackjack at the horseshoe, where the maximum bet was five dollars. <laughs> well, when I met him, he was spreading two to eight. Dollars, two okay. dollars to eight dollars. Okay. I was going to say hundreds <laughs> or dollars. Okay, I, yeah. I'll tell you what. This guy was an absolute phenom in the way he played. You know, because he used he used what was called the Gordon count. The old it was a very um, meat and potatoes count that that only counted counted fewer um, cards than most and had more zero values. And all those zero values he counted on the side. And he had like a matrix in his head. He had this matrix that would tell you when to deviate. And, and he and also he, kept exact count of number of cards played. Yeah. So his true count was exactly accurate. He was an amazing mind. He really was an amazing mind. The way he could th- he could think on his feet was really something else. I only met him a few times, and uh, he seemed to have a joy of life. Yeah. He get excited about little things. And, uh, yeah. He liked seeing that you know people who knew how to do things and were competent. That's what he liked. And I've never seen a guy that really the whole world of our world, even the snobs, would kind of tip their hat at the very least, if not bow down to Griffin. And I'm talking about guys like Ed Thorpe, who had just had the ultimate respect for Peter Griffin, um, and other people who who just never would would give anything to anybody else but themselves, would say, well, Peter Griffin was quite amazing. You know, Olaf Ventura. Who is, you know, literally an astro, a rocket scientist. He's a Harvard yes. Smithsonian astrophysicist, physicist, and he couldn't, he just couldn't get over it when I brought him to meet Peter, and, and they all hung out and got along. You know, he just there was something about him. Actually, the same. I, I have to say, um, my recommended when we get to the end of the show um, uh, is a podcast where uh, Richard Ziemba gets interviewed, um, mm-hmm. 
And in that, he talks about, you know, he knew lots of really, really smart guys, Nobel Prize winners, that kind of stuff. But he said, like, Ed Thorpe was, like, head and shoulders the best, like, ahead of all those guys. That's what Griffin said, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thorpe is an amazing guy. Yeah. Anyway, but I digress. (laughs) Since Richard is digressing, we're going to do a few commercials. The South Point is more than 10,000 gains, returning more than 99%. This is more than anyone else has. In June, the promotion is a $500,000 spin to win. Each $200, $2,000 coin in, limit four per person per day. You receive a virtual spin right at your machine, earning free play for, or points. And this is Monday through Thursdays only. The average spin this year is about $10. Hey guys, this is Colin from blackjackapprenticeship.com and if you're serious about card counting, I'd encourage you to check out the Blackjack Apprenticeship membership. It has the training tools you'll need to beat the game like our comprehensive video course and our training suite so you can learn each skill and virtually test yourself before ever stepping foot in a casino. It also includes the tools you'll need to succeed like our pro betting software, casino database, results tracking software, and access to a community of like-minded advantage players to network with in our members forum and chat room software. You can find out more at blackjackapprenticeship.com. Videopoker.com is the best place to play lots of games. If you sign up for the gold membership, $8.95 a month or $79.95 a year, this allows you to get corrections on most of the games. The game of the week is Triple Triple Bonus Poker. This is an ultra-high variance game. It is similar to Triple Double Bonus, in that you get paid 800 for one for all aces with a 2, 3, and 4 kicker, but this time you also get 800 for one for all 2s, 3s, and 4s with an ace kicker. This is an additional 400 for one over triple-double bonus, and it occurs approximately every 13,000 hands. To pay for this, straights are reduced from paying 4 to 1, excuse me, 4, 4, 1, to three for one, which costs you a bit more than 1% because straights come in approximately one in 97 hands in this game. The variance is around 140, which will make you stay, wish you stayed home if you don't hit one of the big ones today. All right, we're back to Anthony Curtis. I heard Vegas is going to come up with weed lounges. What are weed lounges? Uh, weed lounges is going to be, by the way, this will be, this will go in, it was signed into law and it goes into effect on October 1st. Um, a weed lounge will be a place that you are allowed to consume marijuana products, uh, whether it's <clears throat> whether it's smoking or edibles. Now, it, it's been four years now since um, Nevada legalized uh, recreational cannabis. But so you can come to, to Vegas or other parts of Nevada and you can buy weed or weed products, but you can't consume. All right, so that's always been the, the, the strange catch-22 about this, is you could buy it, but you were technically breaking the law if you were to smoke it anywhere in public uh, or in your hotel room or anything. So not that, that people weren't doing it. You know, we know that. We walk around. Every and, casino parking yeah. lot. It was, oh, <laughs> yes, the parking lot. Oh, how about the hallways? <laughs> you know, it's like, good Lord. But technically, it was illegal to do. So the weed lounges will allow you to consume. And there are going to be 20 licenses given out 
and they will be given to places that are attached to dispensaries or outside of a dispensary. So what you need to do is once you buy your your pot, your weed, whatever we want to call it, you and you want to smoke it legally in public, you have to go to one of these lounges. As I say, it starts on October 1st, but there won't be one open by then. That's just, you know, they haven't even given the license out yet. So it's probably going to be another couple months after that. But by the new year, by 2022, you're going to be able to consume um, cannabis products in, in days. Do you know if any of the casinos are applying for those licenses? I don't think so. I think casinos are, I think it's a no. And I think that the state will has disallowed that. I don't know for sure. But if the state did not, I mean gaming. If uh, gaming has not disallowed it, I believe that no casino will touch it. So I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to happen in a casino. These will all be separate standalone, like either uh, part of a dispensary or a bar or, you know, recreational venue of some sort. I think in Colorado they have um, uh, cannabis spas, which <laughs> I think is a great idea, right, to be able to go get a massage or whatever while you're – while you're high, but um, so <laughs> well, we're probably going to have something, some hybrid of that <laughs> in Vegas. If yeah. I, if I, corrupt, uh, they'll have a really special yeah. hybrid of that. But. Yeah, they'll do what they can do. You know, they'll get away with what they can get away with. And uh, but I just don't think you see it happening. Very th- something very akin to strip clubs. You know, you're just not going to see a topless joint in a casino. They just don't want to touch it. It's just oh, uh, you. Well, but you you have you the topless shows. You have topless shows, but you're not going to have a, you're not going to have lap dances. You're not going to have dancers. Yeah, you know the closest you're going to have to that are well, go-go go dancers. Yeah. Well, you're going to have go-go dancers. You know, they, they, we've had that before, but that's as, as far as they're going to go. They're not going to do it. Like you're not going to have a version of the Hustler Club inside. You know, Cosmo. That just ain't going to happen. Now, the weed lounges. That's state law. As far as I know, it's still against federal law possess or consume marijuana are they is is the federal law change would require to get through congress and this congress isn't going to pass anything about anything right so um do you see that as a uh a a problem no i'm pretty sure that the you know states rights supersede in this case that if you're on you know nevada turf the federal law doesn't apply to you. You're under Nevada law, which, you know, this is this is where the uh, expansion of sports betting went, where there's a federal law against sports betting. And the Supreme Court said, no, the state's choice supersedes or takes precedence, I should say. Um, but and you, I, and you I don't want to fly with it in case no. you're going to a state. Yeah, where, that's what you're you know. getting at. Yeah, no, you don't want to try to bring it here. You can buy it here. Lego, buy it here. It's, you know, you can buy it here legally. So, you know, yeah, you don't want to fool around with, with trying to take it over, uh, you know, through uh, through an airport line. And consume it all, I guess, before you go home. <laughs> I guess. You know, I've never, you know, we had this in the last uh, YouTube video we did when we were talking about this. I have never tried pot. Never. I've never, I've never taken a drag. I've never eaten it. Whatever. So I'm. I'm like the last guy to know all these rules, but I just I try to stay up on it, you know. I'm square. They're all they all got a picture of me square. That's it, you know. That's it. Anthony is a cesspool of virtue. <laughs> all right, um, YouTube channel. I hear you. Uh, you're involved in that. How's that going? 
Well, it's, you know, how's it going and how's it going to go are like kind of two different things. Uh, Take your pick. How's it going? It's um, to me, it's a little bit of a disappointment in terms of what we're we're doing in terms of our viewership. Um, not like nobody watches. You know, we do. We put up a video. We get two to five thousand views and people go, that's pretty good. But I look at guys that, that play slot machines, negative expectation slot machines for hundreds of dollars who have millions of views. But they've also been doing it for years. Yeah, they've been doing it for years. But, I mean, all they're doing is just dispensing nonsense and stupidity. And, and you know, they're everything that we In do. In an entertaining way. Yeah, I got to admit, it's kind of fun to watch the, the numbers go up and down. And that's what it's all about, you know. And, and, well, and watching them go crazy and, yeah. you know. Well, they're entertainers. They know how to do it, you know. And, and But we're, our idea was that we were going to give the good information. You know, we were going to stay on the on the straight and narrow and give the good information, both about things to do and about, you know, gambling theory and things like that. Um, so we did a couple and we got 5,000 and then we got 20,000, another one for 15. And I'm like, wow, this is going to be good. Then all of a sudden we started getting 2,000 and 1,500. And I'm like, oh, the market is speaking, you know, I mean, I guess. But I've talked to a lot of experts who tell me it's just it's just sort of the natural progression, the kind of the way things go. And that it's just, you have to be diligent and take your time. When I really look at this, I, I see so much opportunity in this um, for crossover with things we do, crossover with your show, crossover with our books and selling on Amazon. And we've I've made a commitment to it. I've decided we're going to do it um, in three different ways. Uh, we're going to have something called updates. And it's going to be probably very close to weekly updates, which is going to be kind of a news show where we're talking about things that are going on, much like we are right now here in this interview, except quicker, you know, faster, six, seven minutes, boom, 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 rapid fire. This was what happened in Vegas. You know, I'm on your show, what, once every two months? You know, this is going to be a weekly update. This just happened. That just happened. Something else is going over here. With video, you know, like when, when resorts open, we'll have video of it, you know, that sort of thing. Two is going to be this session that we've been calling In the Wild. And In the Wild, I've been told, is like a cool name to people who understand it because that's what we use, the terms that we use for being out among the people. But others don't. They're like, that's a bad name to use for what you're doing. So maybe we'll change the name or Vegas in the wild or something. But that's going to be more of us being out there and on, you know, um, on point and, and, you know, at the source of what we're doing. Uh, and we're going to bring in people. We're going to have people are going to come in. We're going to have interviews here and there and whatever. And the third is going to be um, we're going to um, do a format that talks about each of our books interviewing the authors. So both of you guys have to book a date. You're going to be on, you know, both of you are Huntington Press authors and we're going to let you talk about your book and we're going to let you talk about techniques that are described in your book and why it's important. And um, and so we're going to diversify a little bit. We're going to keep doing it and we're going to get uh, we're going to pump up our volume to make sure we're doing at least one a week and up to two or three a week. So since I have nine different strategy cards published by Huntington Press, that would mean I would be on your show nine separate weeks. Is that correct? Potentially we could. You know, I mean, we were going to, yeah. I, I mean, hope but, not. But, <laughs> but you have a face for podcasts. So. Uh, well, that's, um, I'm just waiting to I see you on Anthony's show on YouTube. That, <laughs> well, that'll, yeah. That, well, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to discussing the strategy cards with you. I mean, to be honest with you, of I think it's the greatest gambling product ever. I think it's the most useful, best gambling product for everything, for price point. You know, these cards are six ninety five, and or five, yeah, six ninety five. I think, and they're worth a hundred times that. 
And they're so easy to use, and you don't have to read them. You just have to consult them, not that people do. They carry them around in their pocket and don't look at them. But I still think that they're better than a book. They're better than a train, a video poker program. I think they're better than anything. I really do. Unfortunately, my co-author on that, Liam W. Daly, is now gone. He should be on that podcast as well, but that's not going to happen. Uh, he had a lot to do with it, I know. You've, you know, you've told me that uh, he, he was very good at, at formulating or putting those strategies in readable format, correct? Yes, it was a... It was a joint effort, and he probably did more of the work. Well, like I said, I, I, I give you guys credit where credit belongs, and uh, it's those cards are good. I, I use them to this day. I carry them around. I use them. If anybody you know, wanted to know why we still let Anthony come on this show, you probably have a better idea right now. <laughs> I, I just want to say, of the three of those things, the one that appeals to me the most is the In the Wild, and I agree with you. I think that you can come up with a better title. Because what I want to know is where are the good places to go eat or where is the cheap places to go eat that have good food that I didn't know about? Yeah, we're going to start going along those lines. All right? yeah. What we've done within the wild to this point has been experimental. And mm-hmm. it's been you know going to a bar, playing video poker, um, talking about the hands, you know, everybody gets all uppity about it. You're playing six five video poker in a bar. That's horrible. That's not the point. We're, you know, the, <laughs> this video is not about come here and play this game to make money. You know, we we make that point. You cannot beat this six five game unless we're doing a promotion. You know, like we've done on a couple of times with free play for playing X amount and that sort of thing. We're talking about you know the way the 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 systems work, the way the process works, and it's a little too dry for some people. And we're going to do more on site of cool things we know about to where to eat, things to do, actually going right in there, taking pictures of them. Like these are the best chicken wings in town. You know, this, this is the best hot pot in town. These are the sort of things that we're going to start doing. And we think that that's going to up the appeal factor, you know, for a lot of people. So you're right about that. Plus I should mention, we've done two video poker quizzes, pop quizzes, we got a third one coming up. And people should get in on that because a lot of people understand video poker or can use their learning tools to figure out the answers. And we're giving away really good prizes. I mean, we're giving away software. We're giving away LVA memberships. We're giving away comps to, to the places where we shoot them. So, you know, we're trying to make this fun and we're trying to make it valuable for the, the people who, who view. I assume I'm not eligible for the prizes. Sure you are. Of course you are. Everyone's eligible because here's what we do. We, we, we say, look, we're going to give away 12. We're going to give away 15. And one of them was really easy, and we had 78 correct answers. So we did a drawing. We did the drawing live. So everybody can be in, but you still got to get drawn. Yeah, but it's that's not right. And, and if I win, I get a copy of my software. I mean, this. Yeah, is... you get a copy of your own thing. That's it. <laughs> Very good. Usually at this time of year, we're halfway through the World Series of Poker. There's a lot of poker going on in this town, but there's a lot of tournaments all over town, but the World Series is not there. Uh, do you know when it's coming back to Vegas? Yes, uh, that's been announced. You know, as we know, last year they did a, they kind of did it remotely. I think the only live competition they had was a heads-up competition with the final two. And um, this year they're going to uh, pick it up again all live at the Rio again. It'll start September 30th, and it will run through the end of November. Um, there, I'm very surprised by how how um, 
well poker came back. A lot of poker rooms are open and operating. And there's a couple of big alternative tournaments going on right now. I think one at the Venetian, one at the Wynn. Uh, so anybody who was, you know, normally would come out here during this time to play the World Series can come out and play some pretty big poker tournaments. But the actual World Series will be at the Rio starting September 30th. And then presumably next year it'll be back to starting at the end of May again. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, when we talked at the beginning of the show about is Vegas back to normal? Well, no, you know, because of things like this. Everything's still a little bit off kilter. And I think they're shooting toward 2022 is everything going back to normal, hopefully, um, at least in terms of scheduling and such. All right. A couple of weeks ago, Frank B. was on our show, and he said the two of you went to the pass on Water Street in Henderson. What were your experience there? Um, okay. The, the reason we went is to check out the area down there because I like to go down to Henderson whenever I have an opportunity, but also to check out a new casino. And typically when a new place opens, we'd like to make a sort of a decent lay down, meaning bet a certain amount in video poker and see what we get back in the mail. And a lot of people like to operate like that. Yes. So, you know, I did, uh, I did that. Uh, Frank didn't play because he was doing something else, but I ran 16,000 through, which I thought was a fair amount of money for that place based on what I could see. And, people operating and uh, wanted to see what the mail would be. And I haven't gotten, it was recently, so I haven't gotten any mail yet. We'll see what happens there. But I did get $160 in um, club points, free play. So that's 1%. That's pretty pretty juicy. Was it a good game you were playing? Um, they, only, they only have three, quote, good machines in there. Uh, two of them are 8-5 bonus poker. Uh, triple play for dollars. That's as high as it gets. That's why it took a long time to get, you know, 16,000 through. It took a couple hours. And they've got one uh, uh, 99% on double-double. Uh, I'm not sure what that schedule is. Uh, that would be 9-6. That's it. They've got one. So they've got three machines total. So the first thing is when I went down there, the, all machines were taken. I had to wait a couple hours even to get on a machine. And then it took me a couple hours to play. But it was uh, eight times point day is what it was. So that's why they, their return, their slot club return is like really low, like 0.012%, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but I did accrue because of the multiple points and all that, 160 bucks. But when I went to play it off, um, I found out something that I'd never seen before in a casino. I've seen this in bars, but uh, they will only redeem at $50 a day. So anybody who needs to, who wants to try that, keep that in mind that you will only get redemption at 50 bucks a day. Um, the only other place that I've seen that is at bars where people were taking advantage of gambler's bonus and they will only let you redeem at $25 a day at a, at a gambler's bonus redemption. Well, usually it was 100 They dropped it. They dropped it? Yeah, to 25 It's only 25 bucks a day now that you can redeem at any gambler's bonus. Unless they've changed that, you would know better than me. But I've never seen this in a casino. I was really surprised because now i got to drive all the way back to the pass. I, you know... <laughs> Back to the pass again and back to the pass again, you know, and it's still going to leave me 10 bucks. I don't know if I'm going to go down there for 10 bucks. I might. <laughs> I've seen it twice. One is at the Eastside Cannery where they had offered this too good to be true bonus point promotion for the whole month. And they killed it after one day. And then they limited you to $50 at a time to pick it up. And the other one was at Club Fortune, which is on Boulder Highway. South. Near the pass, sort of. Yeah, same area. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there, after a huge promotion where 
players earn thousands of dollars of free play. They limited you to $25 a day oh, wow. of picking it up. Uh, okay, so those in those cases, it was both in response to people taking advantage of a promotion. Yes. You know, so as opposed to this just seems to be standard policy. Yeah, and- this is just the policy they opened with. Yeah. And I mean, I actually went to the club booth. I said, you got, come on. I go, are you kidding? And the girl shakes her head. She's like, yeah, I know, you know, but she goes, that's just the policy here. So in so, uh, Club Fortune, there were a lot of players with thousands of dollars. So they just um, stuck it to them. <laughs> well, they, the players let one of the wives of one of the players all have their cards and change their uh, passwords to the same thing. And then she would pick it up daily at, at I think it was a fifty percent rate. But still, you weren't. Gonna, it's a it's a long way out there from uh, to, yeah. from most places in Vegas. By the way, I I I just want to say that the uh, sort of reports that I'm hearing is a lot of casinos are really cracking down on that having somebody else pick up your free play. Yep. They are getting <clears throat> really pissed about it and. Um, there have been arrests. I mean, yeah, it's it's in in many places that is getting bad. I've heard more and more stories about people who use multiple cards getting in a lot of trouble. You're talking about something different, cashing for somebody. Worse yet, is using different identities and multiple cards to take advantage of situations, which I don't blame the casinos for calling that fraud. To me, that's fraud. And, and I, it's just something I've never done, and everyone in the AP community hates me for saying it. I don't do it. I don't think it's right. I think you're breaking the rules and it's dangerous. I've seen people go to jail for it. I'm not going to do that, you know, so. Yeah, and and we're talking about um, real people, not like fake IDs, like real IDs, real people, real players. And they're not cards. even tolerating that anymore no, is what you're saying. No, they yeah. are not. And they're not even, in some cases, your wife. Or you, you know what I mean? That sucks. I think that now that I don't take the casino side on. I do take their side on the fraudulent use of multiple cards for one player, but I do not take their side on that. That's just being pissy. That's just that's that's yeah. that's lousy. Well, you get lumped in with the people who are you know these idiots yeah. that go in with a stack of players' cards and put them in one after another. And idiots is right, and and many of them are listening right now. I guarantee you. I'm sorry. I don't like it. <laughs> And some are not very discreet as to how they do it. That's what I mean. Yeah. Some of them are so bad. They stack it. I've seen at bars that do this. Like a lot of people, you guys would be surprised. Bob, he would sniff at this. But I mean, a lot of people make a living by going around and playing sign-up bonuses and everything at bars. You know, and, and, and bars that have recurring bonuses. And some of those guys will sit there with 10 cards right on the bar and just put them in there. And I, I, I say to them, do you realize? They go, why do you hate this? I go because they're going to end this promotion. They're not. You're going to end it. I can't believe they do that when the bartender is right there and can see what they're doing. A, these guys, even though they know what they're doing and they know they have an edge and whatever, they're not that sophisticated to know that it pisses people off. And B, the bartenders often just don't care. So it takes a while for the for it to get up to ownership. And ownership goes, "What's going on?" And they tell the bartender, "What are you doing? Don't let them do that." Or they just completely stop it altogether. Yeah. So part of it is if you are going to do it, make sure you take care of your bartender. 
That is a very important part of it. You've got to put the bartender to sleep, you know, <laughs> and that's basically just a $5 tip as opposed to a lot of these guys will leave nothing or a dollar, you know, leave $5 and this guy's never going to give you a hard time unless he's told to from above. And the EV, the EV is greater than that, obviously. You're not over-tipping your, your EV on these things. Yes. A lot of casinos have tightened up coming back from the pandemic in Be- in Vegas, and I assume elsewhere, but I don't know. Uh, what have you heard? Do you have a reason why this is? Do you expect it to continue? Yeah, it's horrible. Um, you know, this is... Uh, this is a thing that I was saying. I, I, I will say that I was one of the few people saying this. Be careful when they open up. Everyone said they're going to open up and they're going to go crazy. That's what I thought at first, too. I thought it was going to be a promotion a promotion bonanza. But then as I began to, you know, when we worked on member rewards for Las Vegas Advisor, and I began to talk to the people that I deal with to put our, our member rewards book together, they don't want to give away anything. They do not. I mean, I heard these words come out of the mouths of executives. We don't want to give away anything anymore. We don't have to. That being because the maniacs out there who couldn't go to casinos for a year flooded back. As soon as they opened up, they flooded back. You know, that's when the, the supposedly the risk was at its highest anyway, and they could care less. They'd, they'd take a COVID milkshake to get to a machine. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. And they were looking at, the executives were looking at their bottom lines and they were going, look at this phenomenon. We're getting far fewer people, but our win per, per player is out the, over the roof. And they got so seduced by this and they just got together and said, we don't have to give away anything. That's why a lot of buffets aren't coming back because they don't make the kind of money on buffets that they would like to make. And it's not worth it to them to pull in a marginal player on a break-even proposition. So we're seeing this all over the place in all sectors of the experience. Going back to when we started, is Vegas like it used to be? No, it, because of this. And they are, they're tightening up everywhere. In the entertainment sector, the big shows are coming back, but they're closing many of the small showrooms. Caesars is like the, the biggest offender here, MGM as well. Well, go, go figure on these two. But they're closing the small venues that they weren't making enough money on or were only making license and fees on. And this is happening all over. And it's going to happen until the degenerates with the money who are playing lose their money and stop coming back. And they start to need that middle market customer and they're not coming back because they're not getting anything. And then I think we're going to see it pivot again. But for the time being, that's where Vegas is different, is they are ruthlessly gouging. I hate to see it. I hate it. But it's it's happening. Yeah, the parking fees have come back, the yeah. resort fees resort, going up. Resort fees go up every month, maybe a buck or two, but they go up every month. And um, and uh, the parking fees came back in all the places where they were before. So, you know, and there's other things, you know, I mean, there's fees on top of fees. Yeah, I see people on Twitter posting receipts that have these weird, you know, charges uh, on their drinks and food you know yeah and everybody's doing it i mean Fr- frontier airlines just put put on a uh, a, a uh, pandemic fee i think it's a pf it's a pandemic fee is 10 bucks but it's you know you can kind of give places things like frontier and spirit and allegiant and all that if they do things like that you can give them a pass because they are so low anyway over everyone else so you know i always say what you do is take those fees add them up and bottom line is what you look at and they're still way below their competitors. So, okay, fine. 
you know, same as raising the price a little bit. But I'm just every opportunity that they can find, they're gonna they're gonna ding you out there, and it's it's really aggravating. So when Caesars did this, I attributed it to the fact that El Dorado has recently bought Caesars, and and the El Dorado policy was different. What you're suggesting is it isn't that had Caesars stayed owning its own properties, it would have been the same. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, El Dorado simply out-Caesared Caesar. And I mean, you know, Caesars was, and MGM were the worst. Horrible in terms of everything. I mean, they're doing something now. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but MGM and Caesars properties are, MGM for sure, I'm pretty sure Caesars as well. I don't want to get anybody in trouble here, but I'm pretty sure. They've got a, a breakage thing now on cashing tickets. So if you end oh, yeah. up with, with, with change from your ticket, you can't cash it. And when you go to try to cash it, there's a, a, a button you can push that says you are donating it to something, to a charity. And I mean, the charity might be the casino, but they're making money on breakage all over the place because they won't cash out your small tickets. I don't have, I'm just collecting all that information now. We're going to write about it in LVA. But they're everything they can possibly think about. And El Dorado is run by a, by an accountant. This guy, you know, his name is, I think it's Tom Reeg. R-E-E-G, and he's an accountant. And all they did is they put in the same types of things that Caesars did, only on steroids. You know, I mean, El Dorado is, is no bargain. Yeah, I was um, I was at Circa last night and cashed out a ticket with an extra three cents. Uh, that Not that I played anything for three cents, but it was on the machine when I sat down. And they gave me my money and a voucher for three cents that I could take to the cage if I wanted to. And they would pay me at the cage if I wanted it. But um, I left it there. I assume somebody will come and pick it up and possibly casino employee. And if it's casino employee, it'll go into the wastebasket. But there are players who would live off of these things. Sure. Yeah, if they aggregate them, right? Yes. And they're all doing, you know, they're all doing versions of this. The MGM one is, is much more insidious. I don't have all the facts, but there's a certain thing that you can't, you can't cash it out. And if you hit the wrong button, it says all decisions or, or all, you know, transactions are irrevocable. So you could have, I forget what it goes up to, maybe $100 or $150, and you could hit the wrong button and you could donate that money and you can't get it back so, uh, ostensibly. So, you know, again, all of this is just, preliminary i don't have all the facts yet but i know absolutely that something along those lines is going on it's brutal i'm sick of it you know all right at the end of our shows we have a recommended section so richard do you have something to recommend to our listeners today yeah one of my favorite podcasts is called risk of ruin uh, it's by a guy, John Reeder, and his latest episode is about Richard Ziemba, who uh, was, uh, well, is, he, he uh, was in the horse racing world, uh, he's an academic, and uh, he his first system, his book came out in the early 80s, and he sort of found a system for beating horses based on the fact that while the price on the win for the horse was fairly accurate, the prices on the place in the show were not. And so through some calculations, 
he you could make winning bets in the place and show pools and ironically um you know the way thorpe uh, didn't have money when he learned about card counting he went to wealthy guys to back him in this case Ziemba went to thorpe and thorpe went with him to tracks because he was now quite wealthy at this point and you know they were betting horses together uh anyway though so through the course of history he Ziemba did work for bill benter and alan woods and uh you know other horse racing guys anyway it's a really fascinating podcast so yeah it's called risk of ruin and it's the latest episode with uh richard Ziemba. Yeah, Ziemba was one of the early uh, guys that I read uh, when I was coming up and starting to learn. And he did a lottery book. And his lottery book was was credible. He didn't make any outlandish statements about you can beat it. And it's to this day, I still think, one of the best lottery books you can read. And uh, I never got into his horse racing stuff. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's quite famous and well-known for that. My recommended is a book called The Hellfire Club by Jake Tapper. Jake is a a reporter on CNN. This book, uh, it's a novel, t- set in 1950s Congress. And so you have real people on both sides. On the Republicans, you will have Eisenhower and Nixon and the both Dulles brothers and Joe McCarthy looking for communists and his henchman, Roy Kahn. And on the Democrat side, you have uh, John and Bobby Kennedy, along with Estes Kefauver, and a few others, uh, LBJ. And then you have a bunch of fictional people, and it's all put together into a really nice story. And I enjoyed it very much. There's a, a standalone sequel taking place in the 60s, which is coming out. I don't have the name of it offhand. I will be reading it when I get it. Jake Tapper. Do I give one? You certainly do. All right, mine would be um, <clears throat> mine would be uh, Water Street in uh, Henderson. There's a, a big renaissance. Water Street is the main drag in Henderson, uh, downtown Henderson, and there's a big renaissance there where they've gotten together, um, spearheaded by the guys who own the Emerald Island Casino, um, to rejuvenate downtown Henderson. And it is, it reminds me of Reno. I've always liked Reno. And it's just an old time place with a lot of new and cool and thriving bars. They've got a new one that just opened called Sticks Tavern that it's owned by uh, the mother and her son is a uh, a classically trained French chef. So their their grub is really good in this bar. You know, there's three casinos down there, Emerald Island, uh, Rainbow Club and the one that just opened the pass that we were talking about. All of them have their own restaurants. There are two or three um, uh, breweries down there. And uh, it's just cool. I, I like Henderson. It's a long ways away from where I live. I live way up by the Strip, uh, actually farther west. But it's something cool and different if people want something different. And on the way, the um, uh, Skyline has brought back their shrimp cocktail, which before the pandemic was $2.25. Now it's $1.50, 24-7, and it's better than it was before. 
and and I think they're doing live music on Water Street on Friday and Saturday nights, or at least they, they have, were for a time. So yeah, they've got some sort of like a first Friday thing down there as well. I forget what they call it, last Thursday or whatever it is. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, it's really it's really fun and nice, and uh, it's got an old town feel atmosphere. It's it's pretty neat. Yep, I've been down there, and yeah. Cool and if you get in on. trouble, you don't have far to go because the police station's only two blocks away from this. <laughs> That's right. It is. All right. Thank you, Anthony Curtis. Thank you, Richard. Go out and hit lots of royal flushes, everybody. Good day.